You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It's good to be with you as we continue our series uh, called Reboot. Uh, and indeed, I need hope to start again. And today we talk about hope, that interesting, fleeting, strange word that's hard to define and hard to, to nail down and, and to put in a category. Our scripture lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 6, and also verse 13. So Romans chapter 15, it'll be on the screens, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hope is an interesting word, hard to define. Uh, like yesterday, for example, uh, I was watching the Saints' first preseason home, or not home game, first preseason game. Uh, they were playing the Baltimore Ravens, uh, and there was a lot of hope. I watched the 30-minute special before. There was a lot of hope in their language. Who's going to take the reins for Drew Brees? Is it going to be Taysom Hill? Is it going to be Jameis Winston? Like, who's going to lead the helm? But interestingly, after the first quarter or so, the language changed a bit. It wasn't so much hopeful as it was about like perseverance. <clears throat> you know, perseverance is a word we use in the midst of suffering. So you know, maybe, maybe the Saints roster is not as hopeful as it might. Now, now, hope is a funny thing because what I saw as a Saints fan yesterday uh, was not as hopeful as nearly if you were like an Atlanta Falcons fan or a Dallas Cowboys fan. You might have been filled with a lot of hope yesterday watching the Saints kind of try to find their way yesterday. Hope is an interesting thing. You know, one man's uh, quarterback failure is another man's quarterback hope, right, is what I'm saying, depending on which team you're with. Hope is a very interesting thing, right? Uh, also, like yesterday, for example, uh, I, I took uh, Isabel and Annalie to GeekedCon yesterday uh, downtown. Uh, at the convention center. It was funny, like when we got there, well, someone asked me like, what are you dressing up as? I said, I'm dressing up like a dad because that's what I am. Like, I'm a grown up. I don't dress up for these things. But anyway, if you, that, no, like if you, that's fine. But like when we got there, uh, like Isabel and Annalie went in and then I saw like there was an option to give blood down the hall. I was like, oh, I'll give blood. I'll just do that. I'll drop them off and go give blood. And it was funny because it was like a row of like 15 dads all giving blood at the convention center. Because uh, they, they had done the same thing I had done. Dropped them off and go give blood. Uh, anyway, so I made my way back into, uh, and I love, so Is Isabel is really in into cosplay. And she was playing a character uh, called, uh, what is it? Asunamiku? Is it? 
Hasanamiku? Hasan. It's fine. I don't, obviously. It's like, is it like a Japanese artificial intelligence singer robot thing? Anyway, it's fine. We'll talk, we'll talk over lunch. I'm still trying to catch up on what it was. But it was cool. Like, she had the blue hair and, like, she had dressed up, did her eye makeup, did all this thing. And it was really cool to see her, like, coming into this place and, like, it wasn't like my costume's better than your costume or your costume. It was like people, they were like, oh my gosh, and they're like taking pictures with each other. And this is a really cool thing. Like they were building each other up and I had no idea what was going on. It was this beautiful thing because like they all like got each other and understood and they were building each other up. It, with the exception of this one guy, Anna Lee was with me when we were with this one guy. Like he was really mad that someone's costume was not like Star Wars official canon. And like he was all mad about it. He was like, if you're, you play a character, you're not supposed to put your own spin on it to break from canon of the spin. Like, go get like a hot dog, man. Like, calm, calm down. Calm down, man. Uh, so with the exception of that guy, like everyone else was there, like building each other up. And it was just, it was a hopeful place. I mean, I had no idea what was going on, but it was, it was a beautiful, hopeful place of people who understood each other and lifting each other up. And it was just, hope is an interesting thing. And at the heart of what Paul is talking about in terms of hope is kind of what I saw yesterday. Hope is a means of building up the community. Not for my sake and not for your sake, but hope is a building up of the community itself, which is a really cool thing. You know, Walt Disney, I'm glad you're sitting down for this. Walt Disney is one of my heroes. Uh, He said this, he believed that the future could be a better place. Because hope is ultimately something that projects us into the future. You can't hope for what happened yesterday, right? Hope projects us into the future. And this is what he said. He believed that future could be a better place if, and this is a quote, if we focused on people's needs and applied the best ideas of science and technology and creative imagination to challenges both old and new. To apply the, the best ideas of science and technology and creative imaginations to challenge to challenges both old and new. I would add faith to that as well. So science, technology, creativity, and also faith. Because at some point, even science and technology and creative ideas will fall flat. And what happens when they fall flat? We still need something on which to stand. Our faith is integral to being a steward of hope as well. Putting our, having the courage to put our dreams and visions into practice means that we are to have a robust faith because undoubtedly science and technology and creativity will run dry or be a stumbling block or will hinder our path or cause us to, to fail. And therefore we stand on our hope in Christ. Again, hope is an interesting word. Jesus' ministry was saturated with hope, hope of everlasting life, like in John chapter 14, hope of forgiveness, Matthew chapter 6, the hope that the blind will see and that the hungry will be filled with good things and the mournful will be comforted, all of that in Matthew chapter 5. In the season of Advent, right before Christmas, we light a candle of hope because we are hoping for this Messiah to be born, to to show us the light in the world. When we gather for weddings, we say faith, hope, And love, hope is the first word of our mission statement, bringing hope to the world. And yet, 
As saturated as Jesus' ministry was with hope, and, and we are called to be a hopeful people in the world, Jesus only used the word once in the Gospels. And not in a context in which we would readily think it would be. Jesus said, don't lend money in the hope of getting it back. (laughs) What an interesting context for Jesus' only use of the word hope. Here's the fuller context. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he is, and this falls in the category of things I wish Jesus, had, Jesus hadn't said. He goes, for God is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Hope. We are to be stewards of hope not just to the people we like, but also to the people that we don't like and maybe even more difficultly, the people that don't like us. (laughs) Love your enemy, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Last week I talked about repentance, both repentance of the tangible and repentance of the intangible. And I said turning, because repentance means to turn around, Repentance from the tangible is relatively easy. And I, big emphasis on the word relatively, right? It's not easy, but relatively speaking, repenting from the tangible is easier than repenting from the intangible because the tangible is it's physical. It's in front of us. It, it makes sense, right? Last week I said like putting down the cupcake and picking up an apple, right? Or, or putting down the bottle and picking up Uh, water, putting down your phone and picking up a soccer ball and playing with your kids, right? Repenting from the tangible to these tangible things that bring a big life change in us. But repenting from the tangible is not enough. You also have to repent from the intangible. You also have to repent from ideas and thoughts. You might be able to put the cupcake down once and pick, and before, before I get, I'm working on it too. Okay, I'm working on how to pick up an apple before the cupcake too, right? But you also have to repent from ideas. You have to fall in love with the apple, right? Learning how to put down the cupcake is part of it. Falling in love with the apple is the other. And that's why we need community. We need community to help us choose the hope of that which is intangible that which is not so easy to measure or to weigh. How do you measure when someone has found hope? How do you measure that? I don't know, but I know when someone has found it. When Paul talks about hope, he's talking about that communal experience of God. Hope is not a singular occurrence 
for the individual. It is something that is gifted to us by God for the community, for the mutual uplifting of the community. And this isn't always easy. At the end of Romans, our scripture lesson is from Romans 15, but let me back up a chapter and look at Romans 14. And if you've spent any time with me in any Bible study ever, you know how important I see Romans chapter 14 as being in our shared lives of of being a Christian, right? Romans 14, Paul addresses something very specific and very timely for that community, right? Should we eat meat sacrificed to idols or should we not eat meat sacrificed to idols? Now, Paul could have said, James cleared it up in the second Jerusalem council. It's at the end of the book of Acts where James said, you cannot associate it with anything that's polluted by idols. Case closed. But that's not what Paul says. So Paul enters into this Roman community and they have a very specific, a very tangible question. Should we eat this meat or not? Now, I've told this story before, but when I was an undergrad, when I was at LSU at the Wesley Foundation, we had a group. And we called ourselves the Mean Team. M-E-A-N Team, T-E-A-M. Meat eaters across the nation together eating assorted meats. And, well, we thought it was a great injustice because if you were a vegetarian and you were in charge of preparing the meal, you did not have to have a meat option. But if you were a carnivore and you were preparing the meal, you had to have a vegetable option and lettuce didn't count. Like you had to have like chickpeas or tofu or hummus or something like that, right? And we thought this was a great injustice. Like, why don't they have to provide a meat option? So we formed a club and we wore blood red t-shirts that said the mean team. And on the back, I had a picture of a butcher holding a steak. It was clip art, calm down. It was clip art of a butcher holding a steak. And under it said Romans 14.2 out of context and in our favor. That was our battle cry, was Romans 14, 2. Do you know what Romans chapter 14, verse 2 says? He who is weak in faith eats only vegetables. It says it there like Willy Wonka. Clear as crystal, black and white, you lose, sir. Good day. Right? Romans chapter 14. So this is what he said. All right, so <clears throat> this is what, I'm not recommending that you do that, but it was a moment of weakness, I guess, on my part to form this group and, and we... It's a lot of fun, man. We just cook steaks all day. Like, life could be worse, right? If you're a bit, please, if you're, like, much love, right? This is just an illustration for a sermon. Call me, it's fine. I don't, I don't wear the shirt. It's fine. All right. But this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 14. He says, welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. This is verse 2 that we had on the T-shirt. Some believe in eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. And then Paul gives his opinion. He says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean if one thinks it unclean. I'm going to press the pause button right there for just a second. Because we as human beings, we value the tangible. We value a to-do list. We value things that are black and white, that are easy, that we can measure and that we can obtain and that we can carry and that we can share. And here's Paul saying he's not giving them a new list. Christians do this. Christians don't do this. He spends time giving lists in other letters at other times, but not here in his latest work that he wrote. So a mature Paul is coming. He doesn't say, do this, don't do that. He's saying, Nothing is unclean in and of itself, but if you think it unclean, 
than it is. So we have now made the turn from the tangible to the intangible. The argument started of do we eat this or don't eat this? And Paul is saying, before you can answer that question, you got to answer this one. Where are you in your faith? So, for example, he's walking in this room like, do we eat meat or not? And I imagine Paul at first saying, oy vey, like, let's figure this out. You might imagine him say, James says you can't do it, so don't do it. No, he walks into there and he says, look, I, he gives us his opinion. I know and am persuaded by Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but if it is unclean, it, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. If your brother or sister is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin or for someone for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not food and drink or the tangible, it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The faith that you have, have it as your own conviction before God. So, to paraphrase, he's walking into the room, the Roman church is disagreeing, should we eat meat, should we not eat meat? So Paul walks into the room and he says to those who are abstaining and not eating meat, he goes, look, we know that these pagan gods don't exist and you're not really being polluted by idols by eating this meat. Like those of us who are strong in faith understand this. And at this point, this side of the room is cheering now, right? They're like, yeah, woo-hoo, Paul. That's right. You tell them, Paul. All those purists over there, blah, blah, blah. So that's when Paul turned. I'm paraphrasing. It's not. So then Paul turns to them and says, by the way, if you are eating meat and, and they think it's unclean, then eating meat with them and in their presence is a stumbling block and you should abstain because now you're putting a stumbling block in front of them, in front of their faith. Oh, right? So who won the argument? Which side of the room won? Jesus won. That's the point. Jesus won the argument, right? Paul's trying to get them to transition from this tangible. It's not as simple as do we eat meat, do we not eat meat? No, no, no. It should be about righteousness and peace and love. Of course you can eat this meat. We know that these pagan gods don't exist. But for those who have spent a lifetime in the pagan temple, you eating meat in front of them is not helpful to their faith. It is a stumbling block to them. So abstain when you are with them. And if you can't do that, then maybe you need to readdress whether you are strong or weak in faith. Paul goes on to say at verse 15, we who are strong should lord it over the rest of them and tell them that they are wrong. No, that's not what he says. It says, those of us who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak. And not just to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good and the purpose of building up the neighbor. In other words, Paul is getting, getting them not to think about the theology of whether or not to eat meat or not eat meat. He's trying to think He's trying to get them to think about the theology of the person sitting next to them. What is fruitful for them for me to be and to do and to act? Imagine how different what we would call church instead of if we at least, if we, I don't want to say at least, if we consider the relationship with Christ to the person sitting next to us. How can we, 
help that? How can we walk with that? How can we emphasize that? How can I not be a stumbling block to my neighbor? How can I build up community instead of me and mine? And should I eat meat or should I not eat meat? Well, let me talk to my neighbor. Well, how do you hear this? How do you understand this? And how can we build up community with that? Hope is a future intangible, which means it is hard to define. It is hard to hold on to, and it takes difficult work. Being a hopeful person is not easy. It's hard. It's hard work. And if you've been connected with any of our ministries that are rooted in hope, you know that difficult work and how fruitful it is. For example, to be a part of our care team when someone is having to say goodbye to the person who has held the second half of their heart for 50 years and to be there for them, to be hopeful for them, to walk in the hope of resurrection with them is difficult and fruitful work. Like our prayer team, as David was talking about, these prayers don't exist in, in the ether or in a vacuum. We have a team that listens to these prayers and actively prays for one another. That is difficult work, and it is fruitful work. Our cradle team, again, it's not as simple as, as, as celebrating a new life. It's also the difficult work of, hey, when you've been awake for 37 hours and you need someone to hold that baby, call us. We're here to help. We love you. Tomorrow will be better. And then when it's not better, we'll show up anyway. <laughs> hope. It's not about me getting mine. It's not about you getting yours. It's not about me having the best quarterback in the NFL so I can lord it over all other teams. It's hope is about us and doing what we are called to do to upbuild, to build up, upbuild, to build up the entire community so that we might know the love and the peace and the righteousness of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.